Hashem tells Moshe, Shichais Amcha, your nation has sinned. Asulahem Egel Masecha, they've made a molten calf. They bowed to it. They sacrificed to it. They declared, this is your God, Israel, who brought you up from Egypt. Achaleim, I'm ready to destroy them. Moshe pleads for a reprieve, which Hashem grants. Then he carries the luchos down the mountain, surveys the scene, and smashes the luchos. I don't understand. Why did Moshe take the luchos with him, if not to give them to us, despite the ego? He already knew about it. And if at first he meant to give them to us, what did he see that made him change his mind? An extra word in the Pasuk hints that Moshe did not smash the luchos because of the Egel. Moshe came down the mountain, Vayaris HaEgel Umecholos. He saw the calf, and he saw Mecholot. Rabbeinu Bachaye says that Mecholot are musical instruments. Chizkuni identifies them as Chalilim, flutes. Others like Sferno add that people were dancing to the music. Moshe saw a musical celebration, and that's why he broke the luchos. Why did music push Moshe over the top? Rabbi Farno says Moshe was shocked to see the Jews rejoicing in their wrongdoing. According to Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, the joy erased Moshe's rationalization, his limud's chus, that the Jews had made the egel due to fear. But based on a new study about musical performances, published this past week in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, we can suggest another reason why the music was a deal-breaker for Moshe. Neuroscientists in Switzerland played a range of different kinds of music to non-musicians. The songs were played both live and as recordings, and the listeners didn't know which was live or recorded when they were hearing it. The researchers used fMRI machines to record brain signals indicating their emotional reactions, and for each song they also asked the listeners questions about their emotions. To be clear, the live and recorded music were the same songs, played with the same instruments by the same people. The researchers arranged only one difference. They told the live musicians to vary their performances, speed, pitch, note intensity, in response to the listeners' brain signals. They were told to act like a band at a concert or a party. If the listeners aren't reacting, play more energetically, draw them in. If the listeners are into it, whether happy or sad or some other emotion, play to that emotion and reinforce it. They found two differences between the reactions to the live and recorded music. First, for live music, the emotional signals of the listeners fit the mood of the music they were hearing. The listeners were drawn in. Not so much with the recorded music. Second, for live music, the brain signals of the listeners matched the feelings they reported, suggesting they felt their own emotions more intensely. Again, not so much with the recorded music. Why the difference in reactions? Because of the responsive band. When musicians synchronize with an audience, they become connected, bonded, and that causes the audience to feel more intensely and to be in touch with those feelings. Applying this to Moshe and the Mecholot, those musicians Moshe saw, who was the band and who was the audience? The creators of the Egel declared, this is your God, Israel. Rashi explains the creators of the Egel were not part of the family of Abraham and Sarah. These were outsiders, the Erev Rav, our Egyptian hangers-on. They saw there was no future for them in Egypt, and Moshe permitted them to join us. Hashem even called them Moshe's nation. These former Egyptians turned to the Jews and declared, here is your God. That was the Egel band. The Jews could have dismissed that calf as Egyptian idolatry. They could have ejected the Egel and its karbanos from the camp. Maybe Moshe thought that's what would happen when he brought them Hashem's luchos. But the Erev Rav band played live, responsive music, and the nation was in their thrall. 
Moshe came down and saw a nation that was Ki'isha Echad Balev Echad, united by live music around the calf. And that was when he knew this idolatry would not be easily uprooted. He despaired. He smashed the luchos. As an aside, the power of a live musician to create social bonds and intensify emotion is recognized in halacha. For example, there's a reason why a special mitzvah requires the levium to play music during the avoda in the Beis Hamikdash. As the Rambam notes, the levium stir the emotions of the listeners. Recorded music is entertaining, but it ignores the listener. Live music, played by human beings who sense what we are feeling, who respond, who bond with us, that's an immersive experience. We respond emotionally, and we become much more aware of those emotions. But this drasha is about more than a scientific study and a discussion of the Egel's musicians. It's about more than music. It's about what we can do for our children's religious lives. In truth, it can apply to all religious relationships. But this morning, I want to focus on raising children and grandchildren, nieces and nephews. And I, I apologize to those for whom this is less relevant. I also apologize to those for whom all of this is obvious. But I hope the next five minutes will be worthy of our collective headspace. There are no guarantees as we raise our kids. Parents control nothing. It's a cliche, but it's true. Yitzchak and Rivka produced both Yaakov and Esav, and anyone who says they have the secret to producing the Yaakovs is fooling no one but himself. But we can harness what the Erev Rav and Moshe both knew, and what the Swiss neuroscientists learned. We can become the band, playing the religious music of our children's lives responsively, modulating the speed, pitch, note intensity, to the emotional signals that they send to us. When children show that they feel a mitzvah more intensely, the band can give it a bigger role. If they like a song at the Shabbos table, we can sing it multiple times or louder or with that tune they love. When children like a particular story or figure from the Torah, we can learn about it with them. When a particular mitzvah resonates with a child, we can look for ways to practice and emphasize it. When a particular halacha bothers a child, when a particular story in the Torah makes them upset, we can validate that and pursue a deeper understanding together. This is being the responsive band, but it requires that adults and children perform our mitzvahs together, and that's not simple. Early in our family lives, the religious experience of, of parents and children can become siloed, assigned to separate spaces and times. Babies inhibit their parents' religious activity. They need constant care, so our adult religious lives become an exercise in figuring out child care to enable us to break away to daven or learn or engage in chesed and so on. As kids grow, they start to daven and learn Torah, but it's in school. Their evenings are homework and downtime. Parents participate in shul, base medrash, community committees for their mitzvahs. If, they're, if, 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 they, if they daven at home, it's not with their kids who are in school. On Shabbos, it can be hard to get kids to shul or learning. They want a break, especially as Sundays are often even more programmed than school days. Before you know it, the kids are bought in bar mitzvah, obligated in a range of mitzvahs that they have learned and practiced in school, but not as part of family life. Of course, kids do have Rebbeim and Morot as responsive band leaders in school. But Rebbeim and Morot are a band on tour, artists in residence on a limited engagement. Every year brings a new Rebbe, a new Mora. Parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles are the, host, are the house band. We can create a positive version of what Moshe saw when he came down the mountain. A great opportunity is coming up this Purim to pick up on our children's emotional attachment to very accessible, easy mitzvos. Our Pesach Seder is usually built around kids, 
we can do the same for our Purim Seuda, playing down the alcohol, playing up the songs and stories and foods they like, creating and distributing shalachmanos together with foods and or designs that they choose, delivering matanos levionim to the rabbi together so that the kids are part of the mitzvah, dressing up in costumes together, or at least admiring their costumes so that they know they are seen and appreciated. And most of all, Megillus Esther, having kids sit with us for Megillah, assuming they are of age to manage, is not, it is so valuable. It's a golden opportunity to share a religious experience and to be the responsive band when grogging and booing for Haman. It's a positive version of the Mechalot that Moshe saw. And especially this Purim, which carries so much emotion and so many questions. Where is our Geula? Who are our Mordechai and Esther? How can we celebrate at this time? They need us, the kids need us to be their responsive band, to feel those emotions and respond to them. An Irish philosopher named Bono said, music can change the world because it can change people. It's true, but the Swiss neuroscientists showed that the music isn't necessarily what works the magic. It's the band. The band is us, and we can indeed change the world.